Okay, good morning. It's great to be with our small chaver learning Nesiva Shalom, who will hopefully uh, not interrupt with any inappropriate comments for those who want to learn with us. So we're in the middle of a piece on uh, this week's Parsha of Ayera that deals with the topic of Nisyonos. Avram Avinu endured ten Nisyonos, ten tests. I think last week we mentioned the word nase has a dual meaning. The word nase can mean a flag, that it represents a, um, a milestone, a place, a significant moment in which a person has had a growth spurt. You've been able to identify when you're pushed against a wall and you find strengths you didn't know you have, you hold a banner, you wave a flag that says, I've learned something new about myself. Or a person could react to a nisayon, vayanas, you could run away from it. And how we react to the nisayon is entirely up to us. And we, like Avram Avinu, we have each 10 tests in our lives. We have moments, points in time where we can go in different directions. Kind of I spoke about yesterday morning in shul, like the story of Ellen Karsh, who's a six-year-old son, challenged her, I want to keep kosher. That was a nisayon. Is she going to transform her whole life or not? But it changed the trajectory of her entire family. And, and so on. says on this pasuk that the world we live in, the entire world is referred to as the world of tests, the world of challenge. Why are we here? What is the purpose of our existence? So the Baal Shem Tov had a tradition that the whole reason we're here is to confront our tests. One person's test is a bag of potato chips. Another person's test is to overcome alcohol and drugs. Another person's test is, what we had the conference call last week, is, uh, is compulsive behavior with online viewing and offline acting out. Another person's test is the pursuit of money, honesty, gossip. We all have different tests. We're all made up differently. And the whole purpose of our existence here is to mold and refine and improve ourselves by overcoming our tests, which is a cr- critically important point about Shem uh, making because rather than look at tests as, you know, it's a terrible thing that we have to have tests. This is Hashem's criticism of Yaakov. Bikesh Yaakov Yaakov says, I just want some peace and quiet. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to resolve disputes between my kids. I don't no longer want to be pursued by my brother who wants to kill me. I'm sick and tired of. I just want to sit and have peace. I want to retire to sunny Boca Raton. I want to Bikesh Leishe I want to play shuffleboard, sit by the pool, and read a book. And Kodesh Baruch Hu, Tells him that's not the mission, that's not the purpose of life. Baal Shem Tov says it's Olam HaNesionos. We are here because to be awake, to be alive, is to be undergoing an Nisayon. Am I going to be late to Shul? Am I going to talk, talk to her in Shul? Am I going to... Every, every moment. HaNesionos Makifan is called Tukufas Chayav Shal Yehudi. Bishnosav HaTziiros Over Malav Nesionos HaShechem Zu. So when we're young, we endure the tests of youth with what they bring. Social tests, how do I fit in? How do I make friends? Will I do well in school? Do I make the team? All the challenges of youth. And uh, the challenges of, of taiva, of, of lust, of distraction, of temptation, of being overworked. And the older you get, you get through different tests. You go through different challenges. But by far the biggest test that exists is when, when challenging, painful things happen to us when there is suffering, to be able to accept that suffering be ahava, to say that this is not a punishment from God, not a rejection from God, this is not a Kishbar who's slapping me in the face, but this, this too is somehow an expression of Hashem's love, a diagnosis, a financial loss, a relationship uh, crisis, whatever the case may be, a challenge with children, Rahman al-Islam, to be able to say whatever I'm going through is not random, it's not chance, it's not happenstance, it's by design, and it's with the love of the Ribbono Shalom. To be makabal yasurim bi'ahava, which, as we always say, is exactly what we want from our children. 
when our child sticks their finger in the outlet or runs in the middle of the street or wants to go to the party or did something that we think is inappropriate and is damaging to them, so we give them Yisurim. Give me your device. You lost your device for a week. You're grounded for a week. You can't go out tonight. You can't go to that party everyone else is going to. And they say, what kind of Yisurim? You hate me. It's miserable, my parents. We say, be makava the Yisurim, be ava. Accept it. Know that I love you and the reason I'm doing this is because I love you. And Akash Baruch asks the same thing. Whatever the case may be, an investment turns sour. We missed a flight. A person disappointed us or hurt us. Whatever the case is, to be able to accept it, be ahava. Not to become bitter, not to become resentful, not to use it as an excuse to run away from God, but use it to run towards Hashem. To not feel alone. To realize everything He does is does. He does with love and by design. The truth is, because of Eov's greatness, he should have been mentioned, he should have been acknowledged in our davening. Could you imagine our Amida would begin? It'd be a half a second longer every day for all of us. Our, our Amida should have begun. That was Eov's greatness. That Eov endured the hardest suffering, the worst suffering, the most complicated, compounded suffering. But even though he endured that suffering, and he did it with faith, but he didn't do it with love. And because he didn't accept it with love, he therefore did not attain the level of being acknowledged or mentioned. We have people who have endured atrocities that are unimaginable, and second generation here in this room with us, who went through, literally walked through hell, the gates are mothers. And you know what? It's hard to say, but they didn't walk away from their faith. I think simply remaining a Shomer Shabbos Jew is as much that you could be after going through that. Eov didn't, and therefore he doesn't deserve being mentioned. Avram only... Avram only deserves or is positioned to receive the brachas of Hashem after he's challenged, after he's tested, and he withstands them all. After he confronts those challenges and says, it doesn't change me. I'm not bitter, I'm not angry, I'm not resentful. I don't cop out of a relationship with Hashem or with the Jewish people. I don't give up on humanity or doing good things. But he leans into the problems that he has. And that's when Hashem showers him with bracha. If you look chronologically, Yitzchak too only receives brachos after he confronts crisis and accepts it. Yaakov too, it's only chronologically after he goes through those hard times. After Yosef is falsely accused, and then uh, languishes 12 years in prison, and from there he is, uh, ascends to uh, monarchy, to be the second command. We can't become the best people we can be. We don't become the conduit of bracha. We don't get Hashem's bracha until we go through it. We can go through all the motions. When all is hunky-dory, when everything's going well and going smooth, you can come to Shul and learn the daf yomi and give your tzedakah and make Shabbos and feel good. But you know what? Hashem doesn't yet know how much you're in this relationship. He knows how much you're in the relationship 
When the going gets tough, the tough get going. When you're going through a hard time, when there's a crisis, are you sticking with it then? When there's a crisis, are you leaning out or leaning in? When there's a crisis, are you learning from it and accepting it with love and realizing Hashem is Avinu Malkeinu, Avinu before Malkeinu. He's our loving parent. Everything He does is only for our own good. And even we don't understand it, and even as hard as it is, we believe there is a brighter day. We believe that it's for a reason. We believe there's something good coming. Only then, when we're tested in our lives, and we don't use it to lean out from the relationship with Hashem, but to lean in, then He knows how committed we are. Then He knows how loyal we are. A lot of relationships, you know, He's certainly on my mind these days, but these young kids, and that's what they are, young kids, date and get engaged and get married. And in that courtship, everything's hunky-dory and loving, everything's great, and you know, you're living this fantasy life and on track and trajectory for this fantasy life. It's very easy to be in love. But there are, there are couples who then become under an intense, high-pressure situation. They're put into a pressure cooker. Later in life, Khalila, 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 Rahman al-Islam, there are couples who endure... Uh, disease, illness, diagnosis, they endure infertility, they endure financial problems, they endure conflict and fighting in their family. And in those moments when I counsel couples going through those challenges, I say, this challenge you're going through with a child, God forbid, or this challenge you're going through in whatever arena, it will either bring you closer or it will be your demise. The choice is up to you. It's unlikely that your relationship will be static. It's unlikely you're going to go through this crisis and the relationship will be exactly the same. This will be just be on the side of tangent. When the pressure is placed, it'll either bring you closer, you'll lean into one another, you'll find a way to get through it together, you'll recognize somehow it'll make you stronger and better, or it's going to be your end. The choice is up to you. And the Rebbe Shalom says the same thing in our relationship with him. When we're going through that moment, that challenge, longer than a moment for some people, could be a lifetime of Yisurin. You can accept it, be Ahava, you can accept it feeling it's his love, even though it's hard to understand why, we may never in our lifetimes understand why. Or you could run, you can flee. And the choice is up to us. Does it bring out the best version of ourselves? We know people who have crazy lives, who have diagnosed with horrific things. You know, you look at Yitzhi Hurwitz out in L.A., who I love to talk about and write about with ALS, who can only move his eyes and writes these beautiful Divrei Torah every week that take hours, that take a whole day to write because of the movement of his eyes. And I'll talk about how good Hashem is to him and what beautiful life is and the nachas from his children, how amazing things are. And other people have an ingrown toenail and you'd think that they just went through the Holocaust. The way they talk about there being no God and their hardship and the terrible and whatever. So how we accept and, and who we become as a result of what we're going through can bring out the best in us or the worst in us, but it also becomes the proof to Hashem of where we are in our relationship with Him. Well, be our he, he, he starts like, the, 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 the thesis that, uh, that you know, we're defined by Nisyonas uh, is very existential, uplifting, but then he right. seems to equate Nisyonas with Isurin, which is very... Well, no, because what, what he's saying is that life is filled with Nisyonas. The Nisyon can be your car battery didn't start, and Nisyon can be that you're tempted by the potato chips and they're bad for you. But then he's saying right, the, the hardest Nisyonas are Yisurin. Right. But the hardest Nisyonas are Yisurin. Right, one Nisyon could be that you have an opportunity for a raise at work, yeah. for a promotion at work, but you have to you know, overcome this really difficult task, and that's a Nisyon. Are you going to perform on the task? Now, that's not Yisurin. That's a wonderful opportunity that you have. But that's a Nisyon. So the world is filled with Nisyonas. To be awake, to be alive, to get through a day, to make choices, to navigate the world is Nisyonas, by definition. The hardest Nisyonas there are, he's saying, are the ones that have a Yisurin component, that are laced with crisis, challenge, confrontation. But those are the very ones that bring out the absolute best in us. I've often shared, I, I read an article many, many years ago in, uh, in the business section of the New York Times. They still have a business section? I don't look at that. They still have the New York Times? 
Yeah, unfortunately. So it, it told a story about overcoming challenging times, and it used the following example. It said there was a very wealthy man who had a large estate, and in it, among it, he had many pools. And one of the pools, he had piranhas and all kinds of dangerous fish and sharks. And he was giving the tour, and the well-dressed guests who were following him before they went into the big dinner, he made a joke, and he said, whoever can jump in one side and swim to the other end, I'll give them whatever they want. I'm an exceedingly wealthy man. I'll share my wealth, whatever you want, if you can. Ah, well, party guests all laughed, all cute. And all of a sudden, they hear, they all went on their way, and they hear a splash. And they look and they see this one guy and he's swimming for his life and he's navigating Frogger. He's, you know, trying to avoid everything, gets out the other side, panting, climbs out, can't believe it, tuxedo's dripping. And the owner of the estate turns to him and he says, I think you're insane. I don't know why you did that or how you did that, but you survived. You actually made it to the other side. I have to fulfill my promise. I offered you anything that you want. Tell me, what is it you want? And the man said, there's only one thing I want. I want to know who pushed me in. <laughs> right? And what's the lesson of that? The article is saying the lesson of that is if I would say to anyone, can you swim from one side to the other? Can you navigate through these, these lethal uh, factors that could kill you? You'd say, no, there's no chance. I wouldn't make it one inch. Forget it. But when we get pushed into situations, we find an inner strength. We find a capacity. We learn and discover things, skill sets about ourselves that we would never otherwise have. That's the Ramban, that the purpose of a Nisan is to go we go from the potential into the real, latent within us, and we give it expression. We actualize things, attributes we never knew we'd have. So when we go through a financial hardship, when we go through a difficult time with health, when we go through a difficult relationship, if we can recover, it's better than ever. This uh, therapist, Esther Perel, we tried to get her this year. We were unsuccessful. She has an amazing TED Talk with millions and millions and millions of views. She's, the, she's written many books. She's a very interesting, actually, biography. A, German, a Jewish woman, child of survivors who grew up in, in Amsterdam and got her degree in Israel, now lives in America. So she, her famous TED Talk is about infidelity and how her, her big idea is that most people will be married more than once in life. The question is, will it be to the same person or a different person? And, and she says, you know, infidelity, she doesn't welcome it, doesn't want it, doesn't approve of it, doesn't condone it, but the result of infidelity can lead to the demise of the dissolvement of the relationship, or it uncovered challenges or flaws within the relationship that if now one gives it attention and heals, the relationship can be stronger than ever. And I've seen that too in, in counseling people. So again, it's an example of there's a nisayon, there's yisurin that are placed, that are strain that's placed on you on a relationship how we react, does it, does it help us actualize and realize um, the best version of ourselves? Then it was the greatest gift we ever had. Or does it cause us to unravel? Then it's something which is an absolute, which is an absolute disaster. The choice is up to us. The Islam Rebbe points out that it's only in the 10th in the test of Lech Lechel, Eretz Moriah, it's only the Akeda that it uses the language of Nisa, that God is testing. It's an incredible point, he says. The first nine tests Avram endured, says the Salaam Rebbe, but this is a debate. You know, the Rishonim all debate, Rabbeinu Yonah and the Rambam and Rashi. They all go through and try to identify what were the ten tests. The notion that we have a tradition there are ten tests, that you can't debate. But which are the ten tests? That there's room for debate. So this, nobody picks the one that he went to, the... Some do, but that doesn't appear in the Torah. So maybe that doesn't count because it doesn't appear in the Torah. Rabbi Yonah counts the negotiation with Ephron Hachiti from Mar Samachpela as the tenth test because he had to negotiate with this, uh, you know, used car salesman who was deceptive and duplicitous, and he nevertheless had to be honest and straight. Everyone has their own count. So the Salam Rebbe is working off a count here that the first nine were all tests where Avram stood to lose his life. He stood to die. He 
he was ready to give his life. He was ready to be Moser Nefesh to die. And there it doesn't call it a test. Why? Because tzaddikim are not afraid of death. For tzaddikim, death is simply changing one's garment. Hachlafas malbush. We are a soul and we have a body. Basically, the soul is wearing the body like an outfit, like a uniform, like clothing. And then when we go to the next world, we disrobe. Rav Nachman writes that he can't wait in order to take off. I always say, you know, I wear a suit and tie every day. I, you know, there's nothing, doctors who wear scrubs, they wear pajamas to work, don't appreciate this. But those who have to wear a suit and tie, you come home from work, and being able to change it to something more comfortable is it's so liberating. It's so nice to take that tie off. It's so nice to put on an old T-shirt and shorts. So Rav Nachman felt that way about his neshama. His neshama is all wearing this straight jacket called the body. And he can't wait to the next world where he could take off this, this burdening, confining body that's holding him back and challenging him with temptation and his soul can, can run free. So that's what the, the, the Islam Rebbe is saying about Avram Avinu. The first nine tests were tests where he was stood to lose his life. So for a tzaddik to lose their life, for a tzaddik to be Moser Nefesh for Hashem, that doesn't scare them. The next world is even more bliss, there's even more, even more pleasure to be connected to a Kirsh Baruch Hu. They don't welcome death, we, we, we have a mission and a mandate to live life that's the world of, of free choice and free will that's how we come close to Hashem but they don't fear death because death only brings with it the opportunity to even be closer to disrobe from the body which is only filled with temptation and holding us back so what's the thing that tzaddikim fear? it's not we call you know, the Kedoshim who gave their lives throughout history, for being Jewish, we say they were Moser Nefesh. But they weren't really Moser Nefesh, they were Moser Guf. They gave their body. They didn't give their Neshama. So what does it mean to be Moser Nefesh? What is Avram challenged with about being Moser Nefesh? To give your body, Avram was prepared to do. Throw me into the fiery furnace, I'm not worried. You know, threaten my life of being a Jew, I'm not worried. That he wasn't worried about. It's not surprising Avram didn't die by the fire. It's surprising that the fire wasn't overwhelmed by Avram's fire of love for Hashem. Only the Akedah is a real Nisayon for Avram. Why? Because there it's not a question of giving his body, it's a question of submitting his Nefesh. Kirsh Baruch says, you have one son, you have two sons, but the one son who's going to continue your legacy, the son that you love, take your son Yitzchak. You know how you've been preaching, you've been taking out commercials and ads and writing blogs and telling the world on your podcast that the worst thing a person can do is sacrifice their child? You know how you've been doing that? Because I asked you to? Well, that's something I need you to do. I need you to go sacrifice your child. You're going to look like the biggest fool. You're going to look like the biggest hypocrite. You're going to destroy your legacy, your future, everything that you've been living for and building to. That's Mesiris Nefesh. That's not Mesiris HaGuf. To be willing to give your Nefesh in Neshama to Baruch Hu, that's Anisayon. And therefore, only this was called Anisayon. Hashem promised Avram, don't worry, it's not through that para Adam Yishmael. Your future, your legacy, your nation, your people, your children, your progeny are all going to be built through Yitzchak. 
Go bring him, sacrifice him, kill him. So when you feel conflicted, when you have that internal tension, that angst, that anguish, that's Mesiris Nefesh. To give your life, Avram was ready to do. But to give your legacy and to hurt your child and to, to, to live with attention, to violate your core value, that's Mesiris Nefesh. That's mysterious nefesh. Kedisa measure is a harabala avram kodamanisan vamalo. Zakin shoto, the Yitzhar comes to Avram before this Nisan and says, You foolish elder, Echi takin shamala kashbarha leliola, Ariasmala machakuts like Yalazera. Ainzo salashin malachashakashbarhutsa tzavchakin. So the Yitzhara comes to Avram and says, This whole thing can't be real. This whole thing is counterfeit. The whole thing's inauthentic. The whole thing's fake. The Yitzhara, who is this Yitzhara? It's his own internal conflict. How could this be real? How could this be real? How did Avram overcome the Yitzhara? Because he said, I'm not going to sit and work this out philosophically. I'm not going to sit theologically and, and, and work this out. How am I working it out? How did Jews die in the gas chamber saying Shema on their lips? How did survivors continue to keep Shabbos and kosher and believe in Hashem? They had an enormous emunapshuta. It's not because they convened conferences and seminars to prove Hashem's existence and therefore they should continue to believe even though they survived. Did Holocaust survivors ever convene such a conference? Never. It's emunapshuta because they put one foot in front of the other and they said, I just trust. I take that leap of faith. I have that emunapshuta in the Ribbon Shalom. If this is what Hashem is telling me to today, it's not my business what he said yesterday. It's not my business what he's going to tell me tomorrow. That's one of my children. So, this is the Ikra Nisayon. So, when we go through a Nisayon that demands our body, that shouldn't make us afraid. Of course it makes us afraid, because... The demand on our body is much more than our body. Chalila, a person has to picture their children as orphans or their spouse as a widow. That's an Nisayan more than just giving your body. That's much more than that. But to give our body, we shouldn't be afraid. The real Nisayonas we go through in life like Avraham, what happens when there's a values clash? What happens when there's a values conflict? Right, so I'll give you an example which obviously pales in comparison to what Avraham went through or what some of the heroes that we're referencing went through. But you know what happens when the world determines that you know, a certain thing is a core value, and it's in direct conflict with the, what the Torah says. The world says uh, gay marriage is a uh, liberal right. It's a, it's a uh, social justice right of everybody. And the Torah is saying, but we still have our values. So now there's an enormous values conflict. How do I reconcile my social justice, my belief that all people are equal and should have equal rights, which is a core Western value, which is being promoted all around us and which frankly is very attractive and resonates with us. How do I make that shtim? How do I make that, um, how do I reconcile that with, with what the Torah tells me I'm supposed to believe about that or about other things? So that's our Messiris Nefesh. That's where our Nefesh and you see our children are struggling with that enormously. And most, if not many, are coming out on the wrong side of it. The wrong side from my perspective. But are coming out, they're not willing to be Moser Nefesh. Their nefesh, they think they're trying to distort Torah to conform to their understanding of what the world is telling them rather than 
rather than the opposite way. I can't tell you how many articles I've read recently of people who say, as an Orthodox, in some cases rabbi, in some cases person, it's, I can't deal with X, so I've changed X to conform to Torah. Recently I just read about this, this woman, an Orthodox woman, mother of whatever, from woman, who got a tattoo. She's always wanted a tattoo. The Torah says you can't have tattoos. It's an article in the forward. So she got a tattoo, but she's now reinterpreted the Pasuk and Judaism and everything to explain why really this tattoo speaks of the glory of Hashem and it's the biggest mitzvah in the world that she got a tattoo. She wasn't willing to be most nefesh. That's, again, a bad example. She wanted a tattoo. <coughs> but you have many, many other examples where, you know, there are challenges that we have of how we interpret this world. So what do you, which one do we make conform to the other? Which one do we squeeze into the other? We all have those moments. So to be alive is that we live in the Olam Hanesionos, we have nesionos all the time. But among the biggest nesionos as Islam Rebbe are the ones that require us to be Moser Nefesh. And what does it mean to be Moser Nefesh? To be Moser Nefesh is not to be Moser Haguf. Moser Nefesh is not to fast on Yom Kippur. That's hard. You're giving up your guf. You're giving up the physical pleasures. But it's really to be Moser Nefesh. It's when our, there's an internal battle, an internal struggle, an internal tension between a values conflict. Which side are we going to come out? Are we going to do what Avram Avinu did, which is this leap of Amun Abshuta? Are we going to say, look, I don't understand it, but I, you know, I, I believe in the Ribbon Shalom, and I believe in his infinite wisdom and his infinite system he set up. And even though in this very micro moment under this magnifying glass, it doesn't seem compatible with other values that seem so important, but I'm taking that leap of faith. So I'll be sensitive and kind, not cruel. I won't discriminate. But ultimately, if I have to choose sides, I'm, I'm choosing the Amun Abshut side. I'm taking the side of defending the Torah. That's our mysterious nefesh. If you grew up, this is a big if, but if one grew up with a background and was set on a trajectory, as we spoke about yesterday, of an observant life, so you get a yeshikach for continuing to be observant, but that's not really such a big deal. You went to Jewish schools your whole life. You grew up in a Jewish firm home. You never ever tasted the taste of non-kosher. You were never Mechal Shabbos. The fact that your home continues in that path, that's what's expected. That's not an enormous accomplishment. Although maybe it's becoming more enormous every day. He said, but what is the accomplishment? Within that is the willingness to be Moser Nefesh, to be given Nachas Ruch Tashem to say that Hashem loves you, and He loves when it's challenging for you, when you do it anyway. When you do it when it's easy, you get a Yashikoch from Hashem. You know, so you have a steak at La Marais and you didn't give up anything for that steak. So Kosh Baruch was happy. What? Took a lot of money. You gave up a lot of money. That's true. But not necessarily that much more than the other Manhattan restaurants, so uh, steakhouses. So Hashem says, you know, Yashkoch, I'm glad you went kosher. That's nice you went kosher. But, that, you know, there's certain pleasures that you're not really giving such most nefesh. But when you're most nefesh because you want to look at that website or say that thing or do the business deal that cuts corners or you are asked to defend the Torah value in a world where, where the, you know, the, the core value is going against it. When you're Moser Nefesh, Hashem Yisbarach has the greatest Nachas Ruach. Hashem says, wow, look, he looked away. Look, he didn't say that thing. Look, he didn't do that deal. Look how he stood up for me and my beliefs and my vision for the world, even though it put him in the minority. He took over Avram HaIvri. He was willing to stand on the other side. He was willing to stand to swim upstream. That gives Nachas Ruach to Hashem Yisbarach. That's what it means in Isayon. And we're willing to do that even for things that don't have a commandment associated. That's evidence that we're children of Hashem. Because we, we're Moser Nefesh. Hashem is our Father. 
And you could you could wait for your father to ask you to do something, or you could anticipate your father's need, knowing it's going to give him great nachas, and do that thing for him anyway. So what shows the love in a relationship is, and the loyalty in a relationship, are you most or nefesh for your parent? Do you wait for them to ask you to do that thing and you do it begrudgingly? Or are you willing to be most or nefesh? The Ran has an incredible insight. He looks at the Akedah and he says, you know, we call the Akedah the toughest commandment. He says the Akedah was never a commandment to begin with. Hashem never commanded Avram. He said, no, kach no. If it pleases you, it would please me. If it pleases you, it would please me. So imagine, you know, your parent says something like that to you. I'm not asking you to do that. But if it works out for you, it would make me very happy. It would make me very happy. Which, frankly, is not that dissimilar from a commandment. And that's the core of what it means to be tested. The challenge of test is, am I more concerned with giving HaKadosh Baruch Nachas Ruach? So I want to give Hashem joy, pride, satisfaction. That's what we say on Rosh Hashanah. We say, Today we stand in judgment. Everything that was created. Are we children? Are we slaves? Whether we're children or whether we're slaves. So, Gufa the Mishpat, what is the judgment? How do we see ourselves? Are we loyal children who love our parents, who anticipate the needs, who there is no greater pleasure? For me, today, till today, this is among the greatest pleasures, is, is giving my parents nachas. Kosh Baruch Hu created the human psyche that no matter what age you are, Whatever age you are, when you give your parent nachas, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's better than winning the Powerball. It's better than winning the Powerball is knowing you're giving your parent nachas. It's an incredible... Um, a who built it into the human psyche. It's not just parents. Anyone who you respect, who's in a position of authority, anyone who you admire, and they have pride in you, the psyche is that that's incredible, incredible nachas. It gives you, it gives you incredible, incredible pleasure. So, Hayom Yamid Bamishpat. Rosh Hashanah, what's the mishpat? How is Hashem judging us? What's the paradigm of our relationship? Im kivanim, I gotta set this aside for next Rosh Hashanah. Im kivanim, im kavadim. The whole judgment of Rosh Hashanah is Hashem says, I want to know what this relationship is to you. Is this a relationship of obligation? Is this a relationship of force? Is this a relationship of authority? Is it a relationship that you give anything to get out of? Or kibanim? Or are you my child? Do you love me like a parent? Are you seeking to give me nachas? Do you feel my love? The whole mishpat of Rosh Hashanah is im kabanim im ka'avadim. What's the paradigm? What is the relationship? Even if you keep all Torah mitzvahs, again, Yeshua, the daf, the tzedakah, the chesed, you're doing everything right. But you could be doing everything right because your boss tells you have to do it. That doesn't mean that you love your boss, admire your boss, care to give him nachas. But to be a child is to be willing to undergo Children, they repay. It's reciprocal because when, when we're babies, when we're little children, parents are mostly nefesh. They give up their sleep. They give up their priorities. They give up what they want to be doing. They give up their money. We give up everything for our children. Everything for our children. And then the, and then the situation gets flipped where parents become old and children, in the case of loving children, here in our South Florida community, we see both models of bad children who basically hand off their parents to the community check in a couple times a year to tell us it's our problem when they fall, when they collapse, when they need extra care, when they need their meals. But there are amazing children here. 
where they're amazing children in life. Um, my grandfather lived with us for the last uh, several years of his life because it's my mother's father, but even my father would have it no other way. He needed the support, he needed the care, he came to live with us. It took a tremendous mysterious nefesh. Privacy was lost as AIDS came through. Uh, there was a terrible situation with one of his aides actually, whatever, dropped him on his wheelchair and the wheelchair fell on her and she sued my parents and her husband sued my parents for lack of conjugal uh, opportunity. There's mysterious nefesh involved in, in taking in elderly parents, caring for them. Again, people here know what that's about. So, im kavanim, im kavadim. So if you're an Eved, you say, hey, old lady, old man, here's a home, here's an aid, you're on your own. You know, deplete your resources, take care of yourself. I'll check in on you a couple times a year. We'll dress you up and take you out to the mall and think we're the best children ever. But that's, that's in Kavadim. In Kavadim is, you know, so are we, are we willing to be most nefesh? Because we couldn't even dream or imagine it any other way. I'm, I'm a child. I'd go to the end of the earth. I'd take a bullet. I would do whatever it takes to be there for you. So, Hayom Yamid Bamishpat, Rosh Hashanah, Kadosh Baruch says, which paradigm? Am I your Adon? Am I your Av? Are you my Eved? Are you my Ben? You know, it's easy. When your parent says, I want to take you to the Yankee game, that's not a lot of mysterious nefesh to go with your father. So, you know, does that show that your love and loyalty to your father? But when your father says, could you drop what you're doing and come over and move this furniture? Can you go through my mail? Can you do, whatever? Can you, can you do something against what you want to be doing or a value even of yours? Then that's mysterious nefesh. That's mysterious nefesh, and that shows the love of a relationship. When a parent says, could you not go learn where you want to be learning? Can you stay local to me because I need your support? And you're willing to be most nefesh to go against the vision and the, the model that you were dreaming of, but you were willing to do that because of your love? That shows godal ahavaso. So how do we have the power to do this? How can we do it? It's very simple. Because we are offspring of Hashem, Yisbarach. Hashem implanted within each of us Avram Avinu's DNA. We have the DNA of Avram Avinu. And if Avram was Omid ben Isyonos, he wasn't just Moser Guf, he was willing to be Moser Nefesh. If Avram could, then we can. Eov didn't. He didn't do it Biava. So we don't mention him. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov we mention. And when we say the Shemunasi, we're saying, Elokei Avram, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. Each of them went through hard times. And because they did it with a smile and a simcha sachayim and a trust that Hashem did it by design and was with them, they merited the bracha afterwards. And we too can merit that bracha if whatever challenge or hardship we're going through, we can, have, we can go through it without it turning us bitter, resentful, without it diminishing us, but only making us greater and greater. Have a great day.